ignoring that. Even though every white guy impulse in me wants to continue the singing of the song. You want to hit the start timer on there? You want to hit... You want to start podcasting, genius? We have some married people here. Good. Good for you. I've been married uh, 23 years. And it's still good. It's just very, very different now. Like when I first got married, my wife would say things like this. I love when you lie right next to me and we're sleeping. I can feel your heart beat. <laughs> that was 22 and a half years ago. The other night she turns, she goes, can you roll over? You're breathing right on top of me. It's disgusting, it's hot, it's going on my neck and it feels gross. Who sleeps with their mouth that wide open? It's gross, shut your mouth while you're sleeping. Use your nose, we've talked about this, haven't we? Use your nose. How are you gonna feel my heartbeat if I roll over? I could care less, just roll over. I could pass away in the night, you wouldn't even know about it. I'll live with myself, roll over. Actually, go brush your teeth and roll over. Hello, and welcome to Carnivore Personnel uh, Sideshow. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And we actually have a real comic on that Joe and I saw uh, about four weeks ago at the Lunar Theater at Mondo Comedy by our good friend Greg Bogus. Um, and uh, without further ado, Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, hey, how you doing? It's great. It's great to be here on the podcast. Yeah, my name is uh, Jim Colleton, comedian. Uh, right now, I am uh, living outside the Boston area in a lovely town called Wakefield, Massachusetts. And uh, yeah, I've been friends with Greg Bogus for years, man. We uh, we sometimes sit back and tell stories from way, way back when. Uh, and uh, it's it's fun. He's Greg's a great guy, and and the Luna Theater is, is. I really hope it takes off. It's, it's a great little venue. So you're in Wakefield. Do you want to give the specific address? Because <laughs> and and by the way, what's your mother's maiden name? Yeah, name? yeah. I'll give you my passwords, and you guys, you you can run with the Jim Colley Jim Colleton Comedy Empire money that I have established, <laughs> which right now is being put in uh, two different colleges uh, across the United States. So there's uh, there's not much here. Uh, you know, it's funny because uh, Joe, Joe and I have been going to comedy shows together and, and, and doing comedy stuff since the early 90s. And it's just it's it's great to see how the Boston scene, because I was looking at your your upcoming shows, how vibrant the Boston market still is for local comics. I mean, everybody knows everybody comes here to shoot their specials and do stuff. But it seems like you have a pretty busy local schedule with uh, this past weekend. You, you did a Bruins fundraiser for their charity. Uh, you, you didn't do a fundraiser for the Bruins. They got the Jacobs brothers got all the money they need. I think they're, yeah, yeah. I think they're good. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, we're trying to help out the Jacobs family. Um, two of their helicopters right now need service. <laughs> and uh, that's it's just not cheap. You know what I mean? Uh, no, we can talk. We can talk about those scumbags all day. <laughs> um, 
uh, yeah, the, the, the Boston comedy scene has always been, it's always been great. And, um, you know, this is where I came up. Uh, I grew up in a town called Bedford and, and uh, that's when I started doing comedy. And the, the thing with Boston is, in, and when I travel all around the country now doing comedy, you, people at comedy clubs are like, oh, gee, everyone that we have from Boston is so strong. And I think the thing is, you have to be funny here in Boston. You know, uh, and that's not the case in, in New York and L.A. A lot of funny people move to New York and L.A., but, you know, they move to L.A. to become actors or act, you know, to get acting stuff. And New York is just a huge thing. So there's you, you will get a percentage of people who just aren't very funny or they have like a great eight minute set that they do every night at the stand and at stand up New York. But Boston is you you got to have a you got to be funny and you got to be able to bring it 20, 30 minutes and. Like I was at Giggles just, you know, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. And before me was Lenny Clark. And then Tony V came into the spot and absolutely blew the room away. Both of them. You know what I mean? And I was closing. And I'm like, all right, here you go, buddy. But, you know, it's just something you grow up with. So, Has this been your primary job, your your most of your adulthood? Like, sitting yeah. in a bus, is this the job that you really have? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I, uh, I, I went to, uh, I got out of high school and I went to Fitchburg State, um, which is kind of, it's like the Harvard of Route 2. Wait, wait, stop. Uh, <laughs> Harvard when Mass. You, when were you at Fitchburg? Uh, I attended Fitchburg for uh, 13 years. Uh, <laughs> no, I went, I uh, graduated in 1988, so I was there from 89 to 92. See, that's effed up because... It's such a small world. There's no way we didn't cross paths. I don't want to brag. I too went to Fitchburg State, which is why I don't want to brag. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it doesn't get, but that's great. Were you there around the same time? The exact same time. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I, I went, I literally went there because uh, I went there to play hockey. Oh, okay. I did too. And, and honestly, so I, I, I'm a year older than you. So I graduated high school in 87. And instead of playing high school hockey, I ended up playing juniors out of, out of Nashville, New Hampshire. And so the two years after high school, I didn't go to with community college just to take a couple of classes. So because my, my mom said, go to school part time or get a job part time and work's a four letter word. So that wasn't happening. And then I went to Fitchburg and the coach, I didn't, you know, never took SATs, any of that stuff. They just put me at the they called it the hockey house at one Pearl street. Like, right Oh yeah. I used to. And there was like three other guys from the team there. And I don't remember being in close quarters to that level douchebaggery. <laughs> and at the same time, it was like the, 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 the douchebaggery jock mentality versus you guys know this is division three, right? <laughs> you, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, and look, if we were, if we were at BU Northeastern, sure. Be a scumbag, but you go into a school with a seven to one girl to guy ratio. Of course there's tons of chicks around you. Dumb yes. Dicks. And, and I honestly, I, I, I went to like two or three of the practices. I'm like, no, it was, I can't, I just can't. I went back and I, I played another, another thing of, of junior b and just started a band and was on xpl and spin you know we got banned in 1990 for life from the pub because oh. <laughs> uh, allegedly the drummer in the band during the show decided to play naked um so allegedly I, I will I will not say what instrument I play, but that's <laughs> but it's funny because because Joe has one of the best lines 
you know, it's been up when he's like, Fitchburg in the 90s, think of Chernobyl with more check cashing places. <laughs> That's How right. did you wind up there? What was your path to? Uh, you know what? I wound up there because I, uh, I got in. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, like everyone always goes. So when I got out of Fitchburg State, I worked at uh, Converse, the shoe company. And uh, I was uh, first day I got hired, like me and six or seven other people got hired. And we're all sitting down in this orientation meeting. And this guy, he ended up to be a good guy, but he kind of rubbed me the wrong way at the beginning. He went to BC and he goes, uh, he's talking to me. He goes, where'd you go to college? I said, oh, I just graduated Fitchburg State. He's like, oh, was that your backup school? I said, no, my backup school was working for the DPW. <laughs> uh, and uh, he goes, oh, I went to BC. I go, you do know we have the exact same job right now. <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, so I went to Fitchburg and, uh, like I said, I played, uh, hockey in, in high school and then I went up and, uh, and tried out and, you know, worked out for like a month with the team, you know, in September and then, uh, and then tried out and then just got cut. You know what I mean? It was just, I noticed too, there was a lot, um, and, uh, and you know, I was with five or six other guys who became really good friends with me. We all, we all got cut, you know, a couple of kids were recruited to go there too, through the head coach. Um, what happens is it's, uh, you know, you don't, you, if you spell your name incorrectly, I think you can still get into Fitchburg state. And, uh, so all these kids from D one programs, like the Merrimax, the BUs, they all fail out. And then they're like, well, yeah, you know, it didn't work out there, but you can come play here for us at, uh, at Fitchburg, you know? So. Uh, Cause so we were on the ice at the same time in 89. Okay. Yeah. We 89. And it's like, like I said, the kids in the house, it was like, it, it seemed, if I'm, if I'm getting it right, like two of the three guys were from Bill Ricca. It seemed like, <laughs> you know, the, the, every night was a was a Bill Ricca high GED class reunion there. <laughs> yeah. And there, there, there was a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew a, a few of the hockey guys and some of them were really good guys. And, uh, you know, and some of them I could I could take or leave, you know what I mean? And uh, and there was and I've run into I've run in a bunch of people doing shows now, you know, people will come up and I haven't seen them really. I haven't stayed that close to too many of the guys from Fitchburg since I graduated. But people will come up and be like, hey, do you remember this? Or <laughs> so I ended up in, in L.A. I ended up coaching and working with some players. And I had a kid that, you know, was under my wing for a couple of years who ended up, you know, um, his name is Schofield. I want to say he was in Fitchburg from. 2001 to 2005 who when he left was their all-time leading scorer great oh Stephen really good was a really real i mean really good kid you know um and a really just you know like like one one of those guys it's like wait what did you just do because like he had such a release it's like no wind up like you know oh really just had yeah great hands but so so you you leave fitchburg what at what point did you say yeah i don't want to work at Converse. i want to you know, go, go, go to Nick's comedy stop three nights a week and do open mics and see if I can do this for a living. So I, that was kind of my plan all along, but I really like looking back now and with two children in college, I, I you know, my parents were always like, we want you to go to college. We want you to go to college. I, I really wish I had the balls when I was in high school to go, no, I want to try comedy full, you know, full time. But I was like, ah, eh. I, first of all, I don't know if I'm funny on stage and I didn't really have a plan. So I said, I'll go to college. I'll get a degree in case the comedy doesn't work out. So, uh, you know, I, I used to go to the comedy shows all the time at Fitchburg State. You know, they had them in the pub and they'd go down and and like not to be caught, but like some of the guys I'd watch, I go, I don't know much about this, but I think I can do it better than that guy. <laughs> you know, and to me, if these guys were getting paid to come to a college, I'm like, well, I, I think the rest of it's going to be easy, which it wasn't. <laughs> but 
so then, yeah, I went out and I got a job at Converse, and uh, it wasn't a bad job. It was, you know, it was it's pretty cool, a sporting goods industry, and I got to meet a lot of nice people. You know, one time I was in a room with me, Dr. J, and Larry Bird. Wow. And they would bring people in to take photographs, and I just had to write down their addresses so we could send them the photographs. And then people would leave, and it would just be me, Dr. J, and Larry Bird, and their agent. And uh, Larry Bird had a gym bag full of Miller lights he put behind my chair. And he just goes, I was talking, I'm like, hey, Larry, we were down in Atlanta at some at some conference or whatever, a sporting goods conference. And I said, hey, Larry, from Boston, you know, huge fan. And he's like, oh, great. He goes, hey, man, I got Miller lights in the bag. Help yourself. <laughs> I'm like, how cool is this? Drinking beers with Larry Bird and Dr. J. I've heard so many Larry stories that might be the best one. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, for somebody first and that not as you can see Joe's expression, neither of us surprised by the story. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, so I just was doing the converse thing. And then I said, all right, I want to try to really get into comedy now. And uh, you know, I had no idea. I've never done any kind of uh, theater stuff in school. And uh, I just didn't really, uh, you know, Honestly, besides listening to BCN, remember BCN, the radio, you know, and I knew they would talk about open mic night shows. So I'm like, all right, I guess I have to go do an open mic night show. And I went in and I did one at uh, Stitches and uh, it went fairly good. And then uh, not fairly good. I mean, I got some laughs and the guy says, and I talked to a couple of other comedians. I just keep coming back. You got to keep coming back. And I said, OK, OK. And I went back uh, three weeks later and uh, I went to open the doors and Stitches was uh, bolted shut. It had closed. It's like, oh, well, I, guess, I guess my comedy career has come to an end. <laughs> that, was the old, that was the only open mic night I knew. Yeah. But the then getting of the end of the boom. Like the yes, I was, as everyone says, when I was getting into it, like, why are you getting into it now? Uh, and it's exactly so Stitches closed. And then I found out Nick's Comedy Stop was doing an open mic night show. So I went there maybe a couple months later. And uh, same thing. The guy said, uh, one, someone I talked to, I don't even remember who it was, said, hey, that was it was OK. But next time you have to bring your two paying guests. And I said, oh, because I didn't this time. They still let me go on. So I told two buddies, I said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying this comedy thing. I go, I'll buy your tickets. But, um, you know, don't tell anyone else because this is only my third time being on stage and I'm, I'm sure it won't go well. And so they said, sure, no problem. And I turned the corner at Nick's Comedy Stop and there was like 25, 30 people from my hometown. And I go, well, what happened? I thought we weren't going to tell anyone. And so I went in and I'm on uh, sixth or seventh on the list. And then uh, right before I'm about to go on, the host comes over. He goes, hey, man, this guy uh, is coming to do a spot. And uh, it was Patrice O'Neill. And Patrice O'Neill went on stage and blew the room away for like 20 minutes. And I mean, just crushed, it just hysterical. And then uh, the host brought me on. He's like, okay, Patrice O'Neill, you got a huge applause and a gym coalition. And he brought me on. And I just, I just ate it. I mean, I, you know, and I didn't know in my mind that, you know, it's hard to follow someone who's just like, to me, it's like, yeah, if you're funny, you're funny. I didn't know the whole structure of a show. And so I just, oh my God, it was just crickets. And it went so bad that one of my buddies had came in came over to me after goes well you tried that <laughs> but, 
And yeah, I thought that was it. I said, I did, there's no, there's no, you know, I have no, I have no ability. I have no talent. There's no reason I need to ever do that again. You know, ladies and gentlemen, that was Van Halen. Give it up for now for Jim Colin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jim Colin is coming up and yeah, let's go. Yeah, he didn't even come close to getting my, and now I look back on it. What a, what a, what a dick the host was for not doing some time. You know what I mean? Cause then, you know, I've hosted open mic night shows for years now. And you're like, all right, this guy, you know, a professional just came in and blew the room away um let's do some time and, and and get the crowd you know settle down a little but uh right yeah so i didn't probably do it for another six months uh and then i'm just like it would that it was such a, a devastating you know and then i'm like you know what if i'm gonna do this i think i really need to study it more so then i just started going into nick's more not even going on or going the vault the dick doherty had a little little room across the dick room doherty, the vault. i heard that name in a minute yeah and uh so i started hanging out and i like i didn't even know other comics were like hey you don't even have to be on the show you can just come and hang out i'm like really like i didn't know you could do that so i would just go down and uh and, and, and try to get on and then you you know you, the more times you hang out the more other comics you know who are just kind of starting out like you like uh dwayne perkins johnny fish um you know dave russo and uh guys that all we're all kind of in the same boat together that uh and a lot of guys that don't do it anymore or whatever but and so obviously so your material now seems like it's all family a lots of family based and marriage and yeah you know and it's great because you know, joe and i you know his kids are a few years older than you know mine and you know mine are 15 but it's like just you get it all you know you're 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 a bit one, one of the bits that, you know, I love is like, you know, the first six months about, you know, your wife loving to lay next to you and hearing your heart beat. You know, 20 <laughs> later. But what was your comedy like? You're 20, you're 21, you're 22. It wasn't family based. And this is why two year olds are the best because they're so honest. Yeah, I uh, know. So my first comedy CD, a lot of it was, uh, you know, so I actually grew up uh, in a big family. I had five sisters, no brothers. Um, so a lot of it's based on that. You know what I mean? Just how you know, how out of, out of touch I was having five sisters and no brothers. And then just like everything, you know, being single, uh, you know, stuff like that, having no money and, you know, just stuff you write about when you're in your, uh, your mid twenties and things. And at what point did you, did this become the day job? So yeah, in the same year I, I signed with a, uh, a college agent. So they, you know, they booked at college shows. Um, I did a showcase and I was uh, selected. And so I got chosen for them. And then, you know, the college money is good money. And so I was doing these showcases flying all over the country. And then a few months later, I signed with an agent who wanted to just represent me for cruise ships. And, and uh, another uh, Don Gavin and Rich Seisler said, Hey, you work, you know, fairly clean. You want to send my agent a tape and I, you know, a, a VHS tape. And I sent that off and uh, she called me and she's like, yeah, we'll represent you. So within that, I got those two agencies that I was making pretty good money. So I'm like, all right, let me see if I can uh, do this full time. You know what I mean? And then I think I went out and proceeded to make uh, $33,000. <laughs> I don't want to brag, but... No, no. I was hoping for more the first year. <laughs> what, what's the... Uh, oh, that's interesting. So so at what point do you go from doing the, the middle stuff where it's a 10, 15-minute set to, I'm guessing on the cruise ships and on college campuses, you're doing 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, yeah. So you have to... So yeah, that was right around the same time, you know what I mean? And some people were headlining me here uh, in, in Boston when I got those two things. So, you know, I, and, and like, yeah, you have the time. So then, but then you got to go out and, and 
obviously, you know, colleges and cruise ships and, and are two different animals. You know, you have young college kids and then, you know, two weeks later, you're in front of, you know, 65 year old people. Um, so yeah, it's a whole curve. And, you know, obviously when you're, you know, out in Indiana at a college, you're sitting in a hotel room, you really have nothing else to do, but write jokes about colleges and things like that. And same thing when you're on a cruise ship, you're, you're writing material about cruise ships. So, you know, it's funny because last year, uh, last year, it's all a blur. It was a few years ago now. Joe saw uh, one of one of our favorite comics. He saw Emo Phillips open up for, you know, one of our heroes, Joe's heroes, uh, Weird Al Yankovic, and it was a half hour set. And then we saw him like what was it six months later, and he's like, "Hey, anybody see me six months ago open for Weird Al here?" And a lot of people applaud. He goes, "Well, this is the same set. I'm just." going to talk slower you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so yeah so so that's interesting so college do you still do colleges no not really um you know I, I i wouldn't say aged out i just as i got older and started having kids and things i, I don't i don't really have anything else to say to college kids i mean i literally have two 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 of my children are in college right now right. um but uh yeah i get hired the only thing i get hired now for colleges is uh you know parent weekends um and i i do some of those where the parents are sitting right there but um no as far as straight college students uh yeah I no really no i mean they want younger people too i don't really have any interest in uh talking about college kids look if if i didn't have like joe's son is like you know early 20s i only talk to him because i know he's joe's son otherwise i don't (laughs) talk to him you couldn't pay me to talk to a 22 but it's funny at fitchburg when when our band so so same thing didn't didn't play on the hockey team started a band like a few weeks later and about six seven months later we're we're doing prestigious like wednesday night at like tt the bears and, and going in and going to New York and playing shows. And, and Fitchburg had a pretty good band scene as far as like, you know, we had party, like starting in 91, we had a party every other Thursday at our place at One Pearl. But then I found out how much the school was paying shittier bands than us. Oh yeah. To come and play. And instantly, instead of calling, you know, you know, other, other, you know, clubs and stuff like that in New York and going down to Philly and stuff like that, I would call like SUNY Buffalo. <laughs> and yeah. And we're getting, you know, we're getting like 900 bucks to drive like the eight hours. And I would, you know, we would do a Saturday night in Buffalo. We would like find a local place to play Friday night at a bar, beer money and 50 bucks or beer and 50 bucks, which for us was about 3000 bucks. And then, uh, but when I found out what they were paying comedians and bands on the college thing, I'm like, why the fuck am I trying to get into the Middle East cafe on a Thursday night? Yeah. Like Bridgewater state. And, and, and honestly have like half the tuition money for, cause it was only like two grand. Like oh, the know, good old days. Yeah, no, seriously. So the cop, but then I hear a lot of, you know, comedians like they don't want to work colleges because political correctness at the same time, you know, Joe's son doesn't want to see me come to his college and talk about my awful kids for a half hour. Is that, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. Yeah. And it, my, my stuff structured around, you know, my wife and kids. And so, yeah, they, you know, they're, they're kids and they have nothing to judge my, my act on. Who well, here's had a colonoscopy. Raise your hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> no. uh, I did go back years ago uh, when I was working college, I went back to Fitchburg state and uh, I brought my friend, John fish to uh, open for me. And uh, I lived at 130 North Street. And I said, oh, I'll show you my old apartment. 
and we turn the corner and it's gone. Like I thought I was on the wrong street and now they have ripped down where my apartment was and all the other apartments. The school must have bought them and they built this massive uh, a pool, a gymnasium, a state-of-the-art gym. And uh, oh, nope. so I parked right out in front. I said, oh, John, let's go in and look at this. So I walked in, this is young girl at the counter. I said, hey, I went to school here, you know, back in the uh, the 90s. I go, my 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 dorm used to, my uh, three family that I lived in was right here. I go, can I walk around and, and, and look at the facility? And the girl goes, oh, no, we're not allowed to let you in unless you have a student ID. I said, oh, I'm a comedian. I'm going to go down and do a show in an hour down at the uh, the auditorium. I go, that's fine. And she had like a little name tag. I go, that's fine, Lisa, but I will make fun of you for the next hour if I can't walk around. And she goes, okay, you can walk around. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't been back since since I, I left there like 90. Because Fitchburg, as you know, we, to anybody who doesn't know, Fitchburg was a real shithole. Yeah, it's a tough town. And so where we lived at, so I lived at One Pearl like the first year. Then I moved in with my girlfriend who, funny enough, like you graduated high school with my girlfriend's sister. We had text about that. Oh, yeah. Um, And so we, I moved into Myrtle Ave. And then I moved back to One Pearl. We were on the first floor. The second floor, the second two floors weren't open, but nobody had rented them to start the school year about right next door, right next door, you know, it's, it's right on the corner that one Pearl, there was an office building, small office, one floor, like two room office building. It was two brothers who owned a bunch of buildings, but they also managed buildings. And we had something that wasn't working. And my friend's dad said, well, go over, you know, uh, uh, you know, give them the rent check. Don't sign it until this is fixed. So we walked over boarded up their buildings boarded up so we ended up not having a landlord for the next three and a half years we boarded up the first floor we just moved up to the second two floors and we lived there and it was and and there was a big basement but it's funny because it's like how much everything's changed but recently so you know my friend dan cray passed out on the porch on the second floor one day and his our, our other guitarist girlfriend was an artist made this really nice like dan crane memorial porch like read it on the porch somebody went by and it's still there and we think somebody thinks somebody actually died there oh really <laughs> want to paint over it <laughs> i'm almost tempted to drive by just to see if it's there but i kind of swore i never go back to fitchburg after my parents made me go to the graduation yeah we uh so I have a friend uh, who every now and then will send out a text like, hey, we all got to get back and let's go back to Fitchburg's, you know, alumni weekend. And I'm always like, uh, I'm, I'm busy, <laughs> you know, like, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was like, a, I had a great time. Uh, you know, I met my wife there, but, uh, you know, my memories of Fitchburg are, are that I don't need to go back and, and walk around Fitchburg. <laughs> Jim, it's so crazy that like, you know, you graduated high school with my friend's sister. We try, we were on the ice at the same time, and and you're doing comedy. I'm doing like band stuff at the same time at the same place. And yeah, and you never never run into each other. It's what crazy. was your major there? I was an economics major. I didn't even know they had economics. Yeah, either did I until I needed to pick a major my junior year. I'm like, oh, you got the grades to be an economics major. I go, let's do it. Yeah. Well, the hockey coach basically said, yeah, you're going to go and film. There's, there's, there's a, you know, there's an opening in there. 
You don't have to worry about testing. It just, you know, show up here on Tuesday and this is your first class. And that's all, that's all there was. Oh yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, um, and you, we talked about like, that's division three, you know, and, and, and how they just turned out like, so my, my uh, roommate freshman year was this guy, Joe Murphy, and he made the team. And he, uh, I think he was like a, he got second team all-star, scored all kinds of goals. And then he came back sophomore year and didn't, you know, he's, he obviously made the team again, but didn't have a great, uh, a great uh, first couple games. And the guy just said, you know what, Joe, I'm going to let you go. And just like, he wasn't getting any money. So he just, he was cut like halfway through. And then uh, he ended up transferring to, to Framingham state and, and, and played hockey there. Cause he wanted me to go to Framingham. And I'm like, nah, I don't think I'm going to chase my dream to frame him. <laughs> but, uh, but it's just, you know, it just goes to show you that these coaches, you know, and, and this guy, Dean Fuller wins, there's nothing wrong with it, but yeah, he just, he, it's just, uh, I don't think they think about the kids or, and I can only imagine what happens at the, at the, the D one programs of football, basketball, hockey, lacrosse, you know, where these coaches are just like, yeah, good for you. But if you're not, if you're not producing, we got to let you go. I could have played like the guy from North Adam again, not to brag, but North Adams and Salem State. But I was still playing on the team out of Skate Three in Tingsboro, the junior team, Northeast Junior Devils, and um, and I'm like, yeah, I can still because they had a longer season. I'm like, yeah, I, on the days I'm not playing there, I can go over there and play. I can't do that if I'm in North Adams. I can't do it if I'm in Salem. So I'm like, yeah, Fitchburg is close enough where I can get back and and still play the games there because that that coach said don't come to practice just if you can just show up for the game yeah yeah just show up yeah you know that'd be great and and but i did but yeah no fitchburg was an interesting inter- and you met your wife there so that's i did yeah yeah so uh yeah so You're it's nursing or teaching uh she was actually in uh she was in uh video editing or, or yeah then again, then because that's what my friend Kim Barber was. She was she was in the TV department. Yeah, I was in the film department. So we we. So did you? How about this name? Did you ever know Jeff Lazarino? I I know about I. Let's just say Zach probably did, but has since forgotten. All <laughs> Jim, the, it's uh, not okay. It's literally yeah. not because when I when I stopped playing, it was really a dark time, and I uh, I, I I drank a little and. And it's funny because about 10 years ago, we, w- we would still, I would come back here, move to LA in 95, and I would come back every six months, play a show, my guitars would come out there. And we played a show, and I just, my, my, current, my current, you know, wife, uh, 2004, 2005, so we were in LA, we came back, and it was three bands that we used to play with at Fitchburg and opened for us here. And so it was, I don't remember any of them. And it, yeah. it sucked because people were coming up. It's like, oh, when you guys play, because we caused, we actually caused a riot. There was like 19 people arrested. We played Club Boston once. And it just became this huge legal thing. You know? yeah. <laughs> there were so many people there that night. And it's like, oh, and tell my wife this story. And I'm talking to them like, they walk away. It's like, who's that? I'm like, I don't know. I know my friend Dan Cray, John Hunt, Rod Murphy, Gina, Kim, and... Uh, Billy, and that's it. The people I lived with. 
Yeah. So yeah, that's the same thing. I, I know my roommates and then I, I, you'll meet people like through your kids or like your kids on a hockey team. And then you start, oh, you know, and they, they're naming people and I'm the same way, you know, and, and I had a good time at Fitchburg and I'm like, I, I don't remember. There's like a handful of people I remember. I, sorry, to, sorry, to, sorry to all-star Tommy, our friend who listens about the Fitchburg thing. Let's get back to the comedy. So you, yeah. did you, did, so you get an agent. Did you try to move to New York? Did you move to LA? Did you like, or were you like, I can do it from here. I don't have to no i that was all that was a very tough uh, thing for me because when i was you know starting to get established and like i said the guys i started with uh a bunch of them were moving to new york like my buddy uh fish was moving to new york and he's like you know he goes i think i can only rise so high here but that's right around the time that me and my wife started having kids so I was like, so at first my wife's like, you know, do you want to, you know, we can still have kids and move to New York. And I was just like, I don't think I can make the money, you know, that I'm making here in New York. So that's what my, so I would go down a bunch, like guys would get me on showcases and things like that. Or, and um, so I would, I would drive down a lot and crash on someone's couch and then come back. But no, that was always the trying to have kids or do I move to New York and, uh, and, and try to get more established. But so uh I ended up just hanging here, you know, raising three kids. Do, do you like the, um, what, what, what are your favorite things? So that you do corporate gigs. I've seen, uh, you know, I have a cousin who's now a runner on SNL, but for the last five, six years, you know, his biggest money, he, uh, he showed up on this TV show, would show up on this TV show, wrote a couple plays that went off Broadway, but he made great money doing corporate gigs and loved it. Yes, uh, I, I love the corporate market too. It's uh, it, it's great. You know, like I said, my stuff's really clean, and I don't talk about politics, so it uh, opens a lot of doors because companies are so afraid to bring a comedian in. But I get I get brought in for everything. I've been brought in for luncheons, uh, an awards event, and you know they just want twenty minutes, half an hour of comedy, or some people it's just a comedy night. They have you know they fly you to some resort and they put you up in a theater and it's just going to be a comedy night so you do an hour for them or whatever so yeah if you can get if you can get into that niche it's a very difficult market to open doors in with uh you know you gotta have the right agent that's out there selling you but it's it's good money they have they have some money and when joe and i saw you um your 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 bits that you have killed were great but the, the the thing that i love is when you see a comic go into a room that they don't know that they've not been to and just your crowd work. That oh yeah. Was my favorite part of seeing it. And you did, I mean, you, you just kill. I think, I think half your set was crowd work and, and a very, you know, again, Greg Bogus is just the guy and he's great. And the lunar theater is wonderful. I love mill number five. If you can find it on a dark night, which is every night, cause there's one street light, but you just did a good 20 minutes of crowd work. Hmm. just had joe and i just rolling yeah that's always something i've uh I, I i've picked up now some guys it's not it, like i've talked to younger comedians or you know if, if i'm on the road and in the middle acts like oh i really want to start doing more crowd work and i'm like either it's something you do or you don't it's it's not in everyone's toolbox um so uh you know some guys don't you know and it, it, and it can come back I, I just did a show i think last thursday night i was telling a comic last night and I was doing some crowd work and it was like a fundraiser, a breast cancer fundraiser or something. I don't even remember, but uh, just two tables got real chatty. Like they figured, oh, okay, well, this guy's talking to us. We can talk to everyone. You know what I mean? So I'm up on stage. I'm thinking, well, I guess this is on me. So then I, I pulled back on the crowd work and just went with material for the rest of the show because, um, 
you know, some shows you can get, everyone's got a couple of drinks in them or it's, they know a lot of people at their table. So they want to just start talking with everything. So do you find I, I it the shows you're like, Oh, another Knights of Columbus down in Woburn for, you know, the Rotary club or, or Oh yeah. Yeah. This was, I was, this was in Manchester, New Hampshire and I was up on stage and I was like, all right, you know, and you have a big fake smile, like you're having a good time, but I'm like looking at my watch and I'm like at 40, at 44 minutes, that mic is going back in the mic stand. Good night, you guys are great. You know? And and how and are the cruises? Is that is that all? Uh, how many, well, first of all, I, I see on your schedule you do a lot of those. How often are you out on a boat? Uh, I try to go once a month. So I will uh, try to take a seven day run once a month. Uh, every now and then, you know, it, the months will lap over, so I'll grab an extra one or something. So it's uh, it's. It's not what I imagined when I started doing the cruise ships are so big right now. Like the next ship I go on has an actual comedy club. So it's it's you and another comedian and you go and you work every night, two shows a night and you each do 25 minutes. And it's great. You can do whatever you want. You can be as blue as you want. And uh, so it's great. It's uh, it's it's and then so if there's say there's. Uh, you know, some of the ships are really big. They have 6,500 passengers. Only about 160 can fit in the comedy club. So it's like a ticket everyone wants to get. Like they have to make reservations the day they get on the ship. So um, you can you could do a repeat show every night if you want it because it, sa it says right on the little program that it's a repeat show because only 160 people. So there's always a line to get in and it's always packed. So it's fun. Well, that's great. That's and and uh, and you'll do you'll you'll get on the boat on a sunday and get off the following sunday and do 14 yeah. shows in yeah some, sometimes like the yeah sometimes it works now other times they'll fly me in like i'll fly down to saint martin and i'll pick up a ship and i'll get on halfway through a cruise so there i'll just do a i'll do a, a headliner show and a late night show so i'll do uh go to the main theater and do uh 45 50 minutes and then the next night do a late night show for another half an hour 40 minutes and then the, the ship will change over in Florida somewhere and I'll stay on for another two or three days and fly home from another island. So it all it all depends on the line you're working for and uh, what ship you're going to. What, what, what's your favorite? Joe, I'm, I'm doing all the talking. You got No, please. I'm, I'm just listening. <laughs> you got some. No, you had. What did you have to say, Jack? No, I was I was I was going to ask if if like, do you have a great what is your favorite cruise story? Oh, ah, uh, geez, there's been, uh, I think one of my, uh, it's just a quick little one. One of my, so like I said, I'm, I'm on the ship on changeover day. So like we're in say Fort Lauderdale and the old people are getting off and the new people are getting on. So um, I, I mostly get off early in the morning and go out and, and, and uh, you know, grab breakfast or, you know, walk around, go to a mall or, you know, find a driving range or something to kill the day. So uh, I get back on the ship at like one o'clock and I'm in the same room. They put me in a passenger room. And uh, so I'm in my room and something must have got screwed up. And this I'm sitting on the bed watching TV and this lovely couple must have been assigned to my room. So they card into my room and they have their luggage and they open the door. And there I am sitting on the bed and I just go, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> And you, if you ever want to see a scared couple from Indiana turn and run, that's all you have to say to them. Um, you know that that that's just awesome. It, it, I, I I could I could ask you a thousand questions about. Do you 
do you ever do you ever get to bring like the kids with you whatever family cruises and what did they like that do you, does your wife be like oh i want to go to that that'd be great do yeah i have uh i brought i brought all my kids we've done a you know a whole family together and yeah my wife like i did a run over a couple years ago in tahiti and so my wife came to that and uh yeah so it's great and now it's like I'm getting the age, my son's a senior in high school, so he's going off to college next year. And uh, I said, hey, listen, when the kids are gone, you could just come with me. You know, you can bring one person for free. You just got to pay for their flight to wherever you're going to. So, uh, yeah. And that's all different. Like, my uh, my son came on a ship, and um, he literally just hung out. Like, they had basketball courts, and he just played basketball with these kids all day. I never saw him. You know, I had to convince him to come to dinner with me. I'm like, come on, let's go for dinner. You know, it's it's a few years back. I, I I was working with some celebrities, and I was booking a bunch of national anthem and halftime for the NFL. And my wife, I did about 10, 12 of these. And the one that my wife got to go to, I did a Miami Dolphin thing. And the Dolphins, it, it, what sucked about doing these these gigs the most is the teams that treated you the best were the Dolphins, and the and the Colts. The yeah. things that I hate it the most. And yeah. I told like the, the lady at the cult says like, we just feed on hate. Like 35% of my diet is hating. Yeah. And, and, and so, but my wife went and they, they flew us to Miami. They're like, do you want to come the day before? Cause you have to be on Saturday. So we got there Friday. We had Friday to ourselves, Saturday. They let us, they had to stay an extra day Monday. So it was on vacation. She's like, I want to come to all these. This is great. I'm like, I'm doing Cleveland in three weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's late December and it's a shit show. Yeah. So, so do you ever have those? It's like some cruises that are like, oh, you're going here and it's great. But then there's cruises like that you're like, oh, that's just going to be cold. It's going to rain the whole time. Yeah. I mean, they, they send me to Alaska a lot, which I love, which is my favorite my favorite uh, cruising destination, I would say, is, is Alaska. But it's cold and rainy, but the scenery is beautiful. But, like, everyone says, like, you know, it, it is great. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I always say, like, we'll do the shows for free. They pay you to travel, you know. Like, uh, one time I, I, I flew into Grand Cayman. They, uh, it was too windy, so the boat couldn't come in to pick. It's tendered. So the boat couldn't come in to pick me up. So I called my agent. And she's like, okay. Now, I was going, the boat's going to be in Jamaica the next day. I, I can literally see Jamaica from the beach in Grand Cayman. But I had to fly back from Grand Cayman to Miami, go through customs, oh. pick up my luggage, recheck my luggage, get back on a plane, fly to Jamaica, go through Jamaica's customs, and then meet the ship the next day. You know, I was like, so it was just all day traveling on, on a plane and waiting in lines and customs, so. That can that can suck the life out of you sometimes. Well, you mentioned like some of the like the Midwest shows and stuff like that. And it's funny because Joe and I a couple of weeks ago talked to the absolutely amazing woman. She's running for Congress for the first district of Idaho and um, which her district is bigger than Massachusetts. And <laughs> it, it, it is. But she had this great commercial. She's like, oh, our friend, my friend who runs a comedy club there. And I was thinking, what's a comedy club? in idaho and it's like and, and in her district there's no planned parenthoods but it has the most like registered three percenters oath keepers and i'm not kidding say it with me joe nazis <laughs> you know and it's like what's a comedy club and then wh where do you fly into and how far do you have to i mean when you get these gigs out in the flyover states is it just draining the travel yeah um I 
it, it is cool. You do get to see some awesome, great places too. And like, you can fly into a place like into a comedy club in Idaho or wherever you are, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Texas or, or in Colorado. And you, you're going to run into the nicest people in the world. You know what I mean? They're just, they're just going to love all the jokes and just be super nice, you know, opposed to like a New York or a Boston crowd where they got their arms folded. Like, all right, monkey boy, make us laugh. You know, like you just, there's a lot of people say, thank, you know, you go to Minnesota, people are like, thank you for coming. <laughs> you know, that's how nice they are. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh yeah. There's always, I did, um, I was in Breckenridge, Colorado for a corporate event. And uh, I flew from, I was working in Aruba, and then I had to fly to 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 Denver. So I fly into Denver. I pick up a rental car, and the agent's like, "Hey, make sure you get a, a four wheel drive vehicle because you know you're going to Breckenridge, Colorado." So it was in December. I get in the rental car and I drive, and it's snowing, and it keeps snowing more and more as I as I get up to Breckenridge, Colorado. I get up and I check in, and um, anytime I'm by myself, they always put me in these awesome like I was on this condo on the mountain, and people were swooshing by, and you know. You open these drapes and I looked out onto over the mountains. Now, if I was with my family or my wife, I would be in a Best Western looking out over yeah. a dumpster, <laughs> you know, but when you're by yourself, it's like, and I was literally there for like 12 hours, but I went out and uh, I was getting a coffee and I'm talking to the girl at the coffee shop. I go, it has not stopped snowing. I've been here for 10 hours and it snowed the whole time. She's like, yeah, they may shut down the tunnel. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that means. She's like, oh, there's a tunnel coming into Breckenridge. And when it snows too much, they shut it down. I go, well, how do I get out of here? And she's like, oh, you don't. <laughs> you have to stay. <laughs> I'm like, I don't I don't like skiing and I don't want to be in Breckenridge anymore. You, you ever know? see The Shining? It's kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't leave. Oh, so you got two kids in college now, one headed to college. They come home for Thanksgiving and say, I want to get into comedy, dad. And you say. Yeah, it's weird. None of my kids have even, you know, um. Yeah, I, I would definitely encourage them, but uh, they have it like my oldest uh, is, is studying finance and my second little girl is, is going to study biology and my son, he wants to go into finance too. You know, I don't, I don't know what that says about- uh, Where do they go wrong? Yeah, exactly. I have very serious, very serious children and uh, they've always been probably more serious than me. I was walking my son into preschool uh, on his second or third day. And he, I was holding his hand. He goes, Dad, you you can't be silly here. I know you like to be silly, but you can't be silly here. I'm like, the four-year-old is telling me I can't be silly. So, of course, what do I do? I act silly as I'm walking him in. But, yeah. So um, the end of his briefcase. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his tie. Yeah, you little maggot. Here you go. Hang up your jacket. And good luck. <laughs> so you got a nephew who says I was, but you would encourage like a young person to say, yeah, I've had a lot of family, like family friends call me and oh, this neighbor wants to try it, you know, and this and, and every, you know, my advice is like everyone else. I think every other comic will tell you it's, uh, you can read all the books, you can take classes, but unless you get on stage, you know, um, you don't know if you're funny. That's the only way you can prove you're funny. Uh, like people, oh, I have all this material I've written. I'm like, it really means nothing until you do it in front of a live audience, you know? And you have you to be have used to failure. Kinds, I'm sorry, Joe, constant more. failure. Because oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to. Exactly. And and I don't care what level you're at. Uh, you know, I used to I used to travel with the Brian Regan, who's an unbelievable comedian. And Never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd be on his tour bus, you know, he's selling out and he, he's like, did you see those last, those bits I did at the end? I'm like, yeah. He goes, they didn't hit. I go, no, no, they didn't. And here's a guy at his level. And it's just, so yeah, you gotta, 
you got to know not every joke you write or every premise you come up with is going to be funny. But yeah, I told you, Jacques, this is what I'm telling you. Not every joke you write is going to be comedy gold. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because Joe, so Joe's been helping. Like, so we lived in Qatar for a few years, and while I was out, which there, is which is a comedy hotbed. It, you know, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no. But while I was out there, I became friends with a guy who works for Air Force uh, Arm Armed Forces Entertainment. It's it's all the it's like the USO. There's yeah. Armed Forces Entertainment in the USO. Armed Forces Entertainment is an actual division of the military. The USO is a not for profit, you know, company that is synonymous with it. So I started doing tours for them. Like I brought up like professional basketball team, you know, filmmakers and different things. Um, and then about like 2000, early 2019 goes, Hey, we want to do this, this, and this. And the guy says to me, he goes, we want to do more with the shows. And we want to like, instead of having a filmmaker come out and just show a movie and talk, like, what, why don't we make a whole thing? And you do warm up and you do, I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Because, well, you're, you're a funny guy. You know, why don't you do like 15, 20 minutes? And I tell Joe, because Joe and I went to LA in the early nineties, because that was one thing we were trying to do. We, you know, do comedy writing. So I haven't done this in 20 some years. So Joe and I, over the pandemic wrote a bunch of stuff. And it's exactly what, like Joe just said, no. It's not like there's, there's on the paper funny. There's if other people tell it, it may be funny. And Joe will tell me you saying it, not, not <laughs> you know, but, but it's, it's been a fun thing to kind of, you know, you know, just, just dabble back in it. Circling back to Brian Regan. I think he's probably the comedian I've seen live most. Because oh, okay. A friend of mine worked at the comedy uh, in, uh, in Irvine for a few years and I got to meet him a bunch of times. He is so great. His brother Dennis Regan is also who opened. Yes, the very funny guy. Yeah, you know his his stuff is really really. Did uh, who who were the two or three guys that you coming up? Does anybody ever take you under their wing, and or is it just? Yeah, I would I would I would say uh, Jim Gaffigan and and Brian Regan. Uh, Jim Gaffigan, I worked with him a couple times, and he said, uh, you know, he was. Uh, sending emails to clubs in New York to get me in and the clubs would call me like a comedy club would call me and be like, Hey, listen, Gaffigan doesn't let any, you know, doesn't give a recommendation for anyone. So anytime you want to come down and um, yeah, I would go and open for him at comedy clubs and things like that. Uh, just a great guy. And same thing with Brian Regan. I did it for years with Brian and uh, as funny as Brian is, I think he's a better guy. He's just like the nicest guy. And, you know, it's it's I, I remember coming home visiting and my niece at the time was seven or eight and she recited his whole album start to finish and it was just and we took her she's like nine or ten to see him like the, like the whole album when it's like you know I saw a sign on the road that said careful blasting area shouldn't that read road closed you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the few times I've met you know, Jim the best part of this conversation is. A, you know, the Bobby Orr picture over your right shoulder. I bet, which, which actually happened on my birthday. Uh, that happened on May 10th, 1969. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's fantastic. Uh, but, but I think you're just living up to the legally obligation for everybody in the state of Massachusetts to have that photo. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure if you look around, there's a John F. Kennedy photo somewhere in my house and a crucifix. And then you check the list, you know. Which is funny because you're not even Catholic. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it's nice to hear that, you know, that you would recommend people to do it. It's nice to hear that, you know, you, you've had, you know, great, great experiences with people 
reaching out because you all, you know, Joe and I made the mistake of watching a documentary a couple of weeks or one episode of the dark side of comedy. Don't, oh, really? don't watch it. It's just, we, what episode did we watch? Well, we watched the Greg Giraldo episode. So, you know, it just, it, it tells like, you know, bum out stories of comedians uh, that, you know, have had like rough times or whatever. But yeah, that's like everybody sort of like gravitates towards the negative side of comedy, especially now when you see like news reports of um, like Chris Red from SNL was recently just like punched in the face outside of a comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's crazy. And actually, I wanted to ask you about that, Jim. I mean, when you're doing cruise ships and stuff, that's sort of like a curated audience. Those get those people paid to have a good time for a long time, you know, or they want to they actually want to be there. Yeah. Like nice people. Do you have a lot of interactions with like hecklers or do you have to come into like you know lowell and boston to you know really bone up your you know your um no for the most part the 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 the, for the most part on the cruises the hecklers are just people who don't speak english you know who i'm not sure why they came into theater but you will get like four people the sitting in the second row of the theater will just get up and walk out and you'll be like jesus i just started you know i've only been here for you know i've only been on the stage for you know a minute or two and then you find out the cruise director will tell you, oh, no, they don't speak English. So there's no reason for them to sit and listen to a language they don't understand. But recently, probably the worst heckler I had was just maybe six months ago. Uh, the, the captain went out. It was the welcome aboard show. The captain went out to welcome everyone. And these kids were yelling out stuff at him. And then the cruise director went out and, and to bring me on. And they were yelling stuff at him. So I grabbed a production manager backstage and said, listen, I got to do 45 minutes. I can't have these kids yelling. I thought they were just drunk idiots. Uh, and it turns out they were some YouTube sensation, some some idiots. That's, that's all they do. And so they literally came on just to get kicked off the cruise to go, hey, look at us, you know. And so I don't know this. I, I you know, I do five minutes of jokes and then they're yelling stuff out. And But they didn't even have like good responses. Like I hit them a couple of times and uh, they had nothing to, you know, they weren't even good to go back and forth with. And then I just go, I can't. And they were pissing everyone else off because they were disturbing the whole show. So I said, you guys got to go. So security came down and kicked them out. And then it turns out like two months later, my son came home. He's like, dad, you're all over so-and-so's uh, feed. You know, they're, they're just these idiot kids that go around and do stunts like this. And I actually uh, subscribe to their channel. If you know, we actually filmed themselves literally getting thrown off a cruise ship. You know, just like, yeah, go. yeah that's it. You know, flash. But yeah, no, for the most part, uh, you know, the only hecklers you get are, you know, people who are overserved and, and, and drunk or, you know what I mean? So, but it's not, you know, and that's what we do for a living. So, you know, I, I always get a kick out of people like, oh, I'm going to give this guy a hard time. And it's like, that's, this is all we do, you know, <laughs> five nights a week, we're out dealing with this, you know, so, um, but so it usually goes away fairly quickly. Do, do, do you have a, do you have a favorite? Do you have a set of like, these are my heckler things, or is it just on the moment you have your great, hey, I don't come down to where you work and dot, dot, dot? Uh, yeah, no, I, you know, I would just, you know, you give it the old, you know, who would you rather hear talk, me or this woman right here, you know? And so usually that once they figure out the crowd is not with them, you know what I mean? But yeah, it's whatever's going on in the show, you know what I mean? And and honestly, some people are so stupid, they don't even know that this is disturbing the show, you know? So you could, you could talk about them and I'm not even sure that it's, they're picking up on it, you know? My, my my last question. I know Joe has one. There's a bunch of new shows um, about stand-up comics, like Hacks and stuff. Do you like 
shows about like the career have you seen any or no uh every now and then i'll be in a hotel room and yeah what was the one uh crashing on couches or something the kid from lexington uh i watched one episode and it was i said this is this this is nothing like <laughs> you know what i mean like i think within the episode i watched he moved to la and then in that same episode, he became a head writer of a TV show or something. Or, you know, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, it, you know, it, so no. I, and I don't even watch a ton of comedy unless it's a friend of mine because there's only so much we can talk about. So if I watch someone do, uh, you know, a 15 minute bit about pumpkin patches, I'm just like, well, I'm screwed. But, you know, all my material, you know, so. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I try not to, like other comics will just, do nothing but watch comedy and want to talk about people's specials and this. And I'm like, no, nah, it's not me. So no, nah, I don't really watch a lot of shows that deal with comedy or, you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff. Are you on the socials? Where can, where can people find you other than Jim? What is it? Jim? What? Yeah, it is. So that's, yeah, that's the major. My website is Jim. What? Cause my last name's Colleton. No one can ever remember or spell it. So, uh, that's actually, uh, I, I came up with that when I was working with Regan, because I was like, hey, check out my website. And then people would go, how, how do you spell your name? <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah. And I just had a uh, last Tuesday, I just released a new comedy album, and it's called uh, The Ultimate Dad. And that's, you can find that on my website again, Jim Watt. And yeah, I'm on Instagram at, uh, at Jim Watt. I'm on Facebook. And um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't be any worse at social media. <laughs> the one place you can't find them is Fitchburg State. Yeah, that's right. You can look me up in the uh, Fitchburg State Alumni Magazine. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, Jim, this was absolutely great. Thank you. Thank you for, for coming on with us. Like I said, Joe and I saw you at, uh, at Greg Bogus's show, and it was just the crowd work. The crowd work just killed us. Ah, thank you. That's very nice. Just real. The bits were great. The bits that, you know, I, I, you know that, that you have, but it was a crowd work that always gets me. You know, ah. like you said, you, you don't teach that, you know? And yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you do you do it or you don't. And, and being, were you the youngest of five kids? No, I had uh, I had three older sisters and two younger sisters. So, uh, yeah. But, but, but in a family that big, it's like if you're not good at crowd work, you don't. Yeah, I always say that, you know, like we would have uh, like family dinners and I'd have aunts and uncles come over and it was a big Irish Catholic family and a lot of funny people. And like even as a younger kid, I'd be sitting at the table and you had to jump in and you had to, you know, like if your shit wasn't funny, they weren't going to laugh. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you had to do is walk the uh, Thanksgiving table. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're looking for a long Christmas if you're walking people with your stories at, uh, at Thanksgiving. Uh, you got anything, Joe? No, I think that's it. I think we've wasted enough of Jim's time. No, <laughs> no, Jim. Thank you very much did, did for coming wrap up on. Before putting up the Patriots crap. kick off, that that was the big thing. Yeah, that was that was it. But it's not like the old days with the Patriots. I'm not. Uh, I'm not as into them now. Now the young Tom Brady has moved on. You know, so yeah, in no, many ways. Different. Jim, thank you so much. We'll post. We'll post the link to your socials and all this. And uh, yeah, definitely, I'll share that, or I will have one of my children teach me how to share that. <laughs> and we'll uh you know like if joe and i ever leave our house we will come uh we will we, we will come to giggles and see you <laughs> all right great thank you thanks
Time.